I grew up in church. I grew up in Awana. Our church has Awana. It means so much because there's so many verses, so much gospel that is uh, ingrained in their hearts and minds as they do these programs and things. It's not about a program. It's about the mission behind the program of what we do. But I love it because there's some of the verses that I still say and quote and know today, and I learned them all the way back from when I was a kid. Some of the verses that we do that with, though, so we get so comfortable with that sometimes we don't actually like, oh, wow, that means something powerful. We just kind of rattle them off. Sometimes we do that with John 3, 16. Let me give you one, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. But can we do something? Can we say it together? And that would be possible. Uh, it, it's not my passage. If you want to turn in the, your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 1, that's where I'm going to be preaching from. But let's do this together. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. It's a powerful verse. When you think about what God is saying with this, we, we memorize that as kids or memorize that in classes and stuff because he said, trust in the Lord. Literally, you've got to have complete confidence in God above the world, above economy, above your finances. You've got to trust in the Lord. But he doesn't just say trust in them. He said, with all your heart. That, that, that is the fear and the seat of emotions in the inner man that sits there and goes, well, wait a minute, this isn't going to work out. And says, wait a minute. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. But then we're going through life and the mission of God, and we get to places where we're saying, wait a minute, it would be better for me to do this, and this doesn't matter, and I don't have to have this in my life or whatever. And he says, what? Don't lean on your own understanding. Because uh, it's easy for us in our lives to say, oh, that's not a big deal, or that doesn't matter, or that's not important. God says, don't lean on your own understanding. But in all of your ways, every single aspect of your life every single part of your life you acknowledge God and he made a promise I will direct your paths I'll do it and by the way when God directs your paths he's not going to lead you to failure he's not going to make your life fall apart and so America as a whole we're like what is wrong with me and this doesn't work and you know it's it's like wait a minute are you acknowledging God in every aspect of your life that is so important for us to get this a while back I was getting ready to come to church I was getting ready to do something here at the church I had meetings and stuff I'm running out of the garage I pushed the garage door button and all it did was blink you you guys know what I'm talking about if you ever had your garage door do that it just blinks I'm thinking, all right, so I go over, and not me thinking I'm just in a hurry, I just push the button again, like that's going to make everything okay. So, and then it just blinks again, and, and it does that thing, and all the lights are blinking and stuff, so I'm like frustrated. So I actually ran over, and I grabbed a ladder, and I got up to make sure the chain and all, you know, the belt and everything is in place, because I'm like, oh, what's wrong with this? Made sure that it wasn't jammed or whatever, push the button again, all it does is blink. But the garage door was open, so I couldn't just leave. I had to get this door shut. And so I am, I am trying, I probably spent five, ten minutes just running around and wiggling and, and, and trying to get this thing to work. Nothing, nothing would make the door close. I was frustrated. So finally, I went to my phone and I pulled out Google and I'm like, uh, what, what is the owner's manual for this? And it said, if it blinks this many times, the sensor is off. So I went over for two seconds and knelt down and went, boop, lined up, the light came on, the door came over and it was finished. It was just that easy. Why didn't I start with that? I was going to do everything that I felt what I could do and manipulate to make it happen, to try to get it done faster. I was doing it in my own way. I was doing it in my own knowledge. But not going to the manual to say, what is the proper way to do this? 
Because a lot of times in life, we're trying to make things happen. We're manipulating this and we're going to do this and we're going to make this happen and nothing works and we're so frustrated. Americans are at a whole are just so frustrated. Nothing works and I can't get this work and I bet you that will not work. And I mean, we're just frustrated. Why are they we that way? Because I'm going to tell you a lot of times we're trying to do life our own way. I want to talk to you guys and preach on this subject of the generous life or our calling to this generous life. God has these principles or the why of why he wants us to live this way. But I'm going to tell you, a lot of us don't live this way because in our minds and in our flesh, we're saying that doesn't make sense. That doesn't add up. That goes against human nature. We're not supposed to live according to human nature. Actually, our, our, our flesh is what gets us in trouble most of the time anyways. We've got to be careful of that. So we're like talking about this aspect of Jesus, or this aspect of our God of generosity, because we serve a generous God. He's the opposite of what we would think. Jesus didn't come just to be that ruler and dictator. He came, and he came that he would give his life. He, he came humbly. He gave sacrificially. He came the opposite of what man would expect in life. But this concept is countercultural. So Peter is writing this portion of Scripture. He was a follower of Jesus Christ. He witnessed it for himself. And he starts out this passage by, let me make it very clear who I am. I want to ask you guys, do you know who you are? I mean, I mean we talked a little bit last week about how people get confused with like gender and things like that. It's like, I don't know who I am. And there's so much confusion going on. And people just trying to find, I'm trying to find myself. But even for Christians, there's a lot of things that we don't understand. Just like, I'm a Christian. That's good. I'm glad. What does that mean? What does that mean for your life? I mean, what is, what is that going to mean tomorrow morning when you go to work? When you're, you're a Christian. What does that mean tomorrow or when you get your tax refund, when you, when you go on vacation, when you get a new job or God moves you away? What does that mean in the big picture of life? 2 Peter 1.1. Simon Peter throws his name out. I'm Tony. This guy's saying, I'm Simon Peter. I'm Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. So I'm just going to tell you guys who I am. Before I get into it, before I lay it out, I'm going to tell you who I am. To them that have attained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, starts off with the names and the titles and and there's something about a name. It's an identifier. It means something. You know, a nickname means something. A title means something. It means your position or what you're about. So you guys know my daughter Morgan has wanted a goat. We said a hard no on the goat. You're not getting a goat. I don't want my neighbors hating me because I had this bawling in the backyard and they, they eat everything and all this stuff. Although a goat would be better than the cat we had. But that's another subject for another time. Um, but... But instead, we decided, or she came up, and she came to us one day, and she said, instead, can I get a hedgehog? And we're like, is a hedgehog even a pet? I mean, can you have a, how many of you guys have ever had a hedgehog for a pet? Raise your hand. Wow, okay, there's, there's one or two in here. Okay, that's, so she wanted a hedgehog. So she found this hedgehog, and the big adventure that she's going on is to try to name this hedgehog. So we're looking at this hedgehog, trying to figure out, according to the look of this hedgehog, what his name should be. 
So we did a, she did a survey on Facebook, and it came back, and it should be uh, different Disney names of cartoons and stuff like that. And then they were talking about but by his look and how he acts and all these other things. So we finally came to the conclusion, or Morgan did, after all the input and voting, that this little dude that is a new addition to our family, that already it's got spikes and you can't cuddle with it. It's 10 times better than a cat already. Um, his name is Chewy. So Chewy is the newest addition to our family. And I have a hedgehog in my house. So I don't, I'll give you updates of what that's like to live with a hedgehog or whatever, but we have. But the whole name thing came by, it was an identifier. I'm going to just state what it is. His name is Chewy. It came from Chewbacca. They're not related, but they're just kind of a name that we did. But it was a name to kind of identify. Peter's doing that in this passage. He's just going to be like, I'm going to tell you who I am. Before I write out one thing, before I put it out, and that those, those names are the identifier of what he lives for and what his life is about, your life will be so much better when you figure out who you are and what you're about. Because a lot of times people are living unfulfilled in their life because they're trying to live out something that you weren't meant to be. And it happens all the time. We're not meant to be accepted by the world. We're not meant to make a name for ourselves. We're not meant to be all these things that the world says is popular and great and makes you satisfied in life. It doesn't. He said, I'm a servant. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. So here are the principles we live by to accomplish our calling. This is why we live the generous life, okay? Number one, we exist for the mission of God. I'm going to tell you, that, that is something in the world right now. It says, no, I live, I, I live for me, dude. Mine, I accomplish my goal. I have my plans, whatever. You follow Jesus Christ. He was all about the Father's business. He's all about the Father. He's saying, this is who I am. This is what I do. Verse 3. Look at verse 3 at the end of it. He says, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Called us. A lot of times we look at it as salvation. I'm saved. I'm born again. What does that mean? When I die, I'm going to heaven. You know what? That is totally true. If you are saved and you are truly saved, when you die, you're going to heaven. But you realize that your whole life is about Jesus until he calls you home? It's not just about going to heaven. It is about the whole fact that my life is radically changed from the day that I accepted Jesus Christ. Think about it. What happened when you got saved? The Spirit of God comes and dwells in our life. You cannot be the same with the Spirit of God dwelling in your life. But he's explaining this is why we're here. Here's another verse that we grew up. We love this verse. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. We love that verse. Something goes wrong, he says, let me tell you, all things work together for good. You know, then we, we throw that out there like all the time. All things work together for good. What's the rest of the verse? To them that are thee called according to his purpose. Yes, do you realize that I'm trying to build this up? You exist for the mission of God. Peter gets up and he says, let me tell you why I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. This is what I do. This is what I'm about. It's more than just working a job. It's more than just raising kids. It's more than just going to church. It's more than just having sports in my life. It's bigger than all of those things. Bigger than being a Buckeye. Bigger than being a church member. I am a child and a servant of the Most High. That's who I am. 
It's what I do. Explaining the mission of God, the whole Bible is filled with these. Hebrews 12.1, it says at the end of that, he says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. This is what I'm doing. I'm on a mission. I've got a goal. I've got an end result of what I'm doing. It says in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Jesus. It's what I do. It's what I am. When we have a meal, do you know what sometimes we do? It's, it's like, uh, this is my meal, but I'll take salt and pepper and I'll add it to it. I think a lot of times in life, it's like I've got my job and my career and my kids and my sports and my talents and all this other stuff, but I, I love to add a little Jesus to it. You know, I'm just, it just makes life better. Je- Jesus just makes life better. Jesus doesn't make life better. Life is about Jesus. we've reversed this and we just wonder why aren't I feeling fulfilled because you're making your life about everything else but you love to grab a little Sunday morning and add it to your life you love a little salvation a little goodness of God God is not an additive to your life he is everything to your life the Bible says in Philippians 3.14 I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ this is what I do I press toward the mark I've, I've got a high calling of God in my life Galatians 2.20, which is my life verse. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. It's not me. But Christ liveth in me. In this life, which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what the love me and gave himself for me was the generosity of God. I'm at where I'm at today because God graciously gave me more than I ever deserved in my life. And that's my mission. <laughs> I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. Here, here's, he said that servant was a bond servant. <clears throat> and I know I'm taking a long time and it's, it's to get where I'm going here, but I sometimes it starts off with a passage and the whole passage sets up everything that we're about to read and we skip it. Servant was a bond servant. I'm not going to go into all the details of what that was, but it was literally a servant that went to the master and dedicated the entire remaining of his life to that master and saying, listen, where you go, I'll go. What you do, I'll do. I'm I'm yours. I am dedicated. I'm committed. I place myself under the authority of you. You guys realize that if Jesus is Lord, do you know what Lord means? We say, I pray to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Literally, Lord literally means master. He, he is my director. He's my authority in my life. I place myself under the authority of my Lord. I'm trying to explain this because a lot of times we live totally hypocritical lives. Because I live my life for me. I do my own thing. Oh, I, I, I take from the Bible some things that make it better and then I put it back down because a lot of those things are like go against my flesh and go against my pocketbook and go against life and go against culture. So I don't want that. I just want all the additives to go with this. So let me ask it like this. Number one, are you committed to the mission? Because that's what a servant is. A servant is one that's committed to the mission. Peter was saying, I'm not playing games. I follow the one that gave his everything for me, and I'm going to live the generous life because I'm following the one that gave the generous life. It's not a a game with him. Every aspect of his life was about the mission. You think about when he was called to this. Matthew 16, 24, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, he said this, then said Jesus unto his disciples. And we're like, I want to be a disciple. Hold up. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, 
take up his cross and follow me. Changes everything, doesn't it? Oh, Jesus, why did you say you have more bread to pass out? No, no, no. Let me repeat myself. I said, if you're going to come after me, you've got to deny yourself. That literally means I must not make my life about myself. I, I, I make the word of God priority. I follow what it says. I, I, I dive into it with all my heart, soul, mind, and might. This is my life. This is what I do. Well, let me tell you what our world does and what we are. It's like nobody tells me what to do. I'm my own man. I'm my own person. You know, you know we, we, we rebel and we reject and we're all about pushing things away and it doesn't work. We were about climbing the ladder of success. Jesus came as a humble servant. It's the opposite. But he didn't stop there. He said this. He said the rest of that verse in 1 Peter 1, 1 or 2 Peter 1, 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle. Let me give you the definition of that. If you've never, not seen this before, he's an ambassador of the gospel. Officially a commissioner of Jesus Christ. He's a messenger. He's sent out. Literally, Peter was saying, my life, as I go to work, it's about Jesus. As I raise a family, it's about Jesus. As I go with everything, I'm an ambassador. So what I do is I represent Jesus with my life. It's, it's literally everywhere that I go. Now, here's the thing that we struggle with. You say, so Pastor Tony, you're saying that if I'm really to go all in in this, then we all should surrender to be preachers. You realize if we were all preachers, nobody would be at Mark Hummel East being a nurse to evangelize in there. You realize if we were all pastors, nobody would be at Groveport High School standing behind a lectern teaching a classroom, representing Jesus. We need people in our capital. We need police officers. We need people that are going to, no, we're all not meant to be this position because we're all different in the position of Jesus Christ or the body of Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, all of us are called to have the preeminence of Jesus Christ, meaning that Jesus Christ is first and foremost in all that we say and do in our lives. He's number one. He's everything. If I have a job, the number one responsibility in my job is not to make money or climb the ladder, but represent Jesus. If you are on a sports team, it's not to, not to win, it's not to make the tournament, it's not to do all those things. Your number one responsibility is to represent Jesus. If you're raising children, it's not that they are straight-age students, it's not the top priority. It's not to keep them out of jail and prison. It's not the top priority. It's a good one. It's not the top priority. <laughs> but your main goal is to raise them, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and might. That is what we do. That is the mission that God has called to us to. He's asking the question, are you living out the mission? Are you an ambassador? He says this in the rest of that verse, to them that have attained like precious faith with us, the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. He said, man, we're all in this together. We've all inherited something. We've all been changed by Jesus Christ. And then he ends that passage with a colon. A colon means I'm not done. I'm not completing that thought. I want to continue saying something. And he adds to it, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. You talk about something that our world is greatly missing in their life. 
We talk about going through life and just the grace of God is the unmerited favor that he puts on your life. It's the graciousness of God or the gratuity of God. There's different ways to say it. That God blesses you and, and, and multiplies that in your life. But then also says the peace of God. The, the, the peace of God is, is an awesome thing because it's rest or calm assurance that he puts inside of your life. It's a quietness and the inner man. You know what's cool? Start putting it together. I'm Tony. More than a dad and a pastor and all these things, I'm a servant and ambassador of Jesus Christ. He's called me to a mission. When I start putting my life on that mission and living that out, understanding that all that I say and do is about Jesus Christ, I begin to experience the fullness of the blessings of God and the graciousness of God in my life because of the fact that I'm walking in unity with God, knowing my purpose. And it brings peace about my heart. It brings peace in my life. When I raise my family that way, I know that I'm accomplishing something that is for eternity and not just for the present. It changes your life. It's powerful. God meant for it to be powerful like this. It changes everything. But let's get real. Let's just lay this out, okay? It's like, all right, if I do that, if you're saying that it's all about Jesus, dude, it's like all about God. And I'm an ambassador. I live my life for this. That creates major needs in your life. It really does. How many of you guys know it's expensive to raise kids? Does anybody know? Has anybody experienced that? No, let me just put it like this. It's expensive to be alive. Just to be alive, okay? Life is filled with problems. We're, we're talking about taking the step of faith and planning a church and going to the Dublin area and, and all this. And we're just thinking, man... Man, property is expensive and renting is expensive. You can't find anything and, you know, people are broke and all these other things. And it's like, it won't work. We've got to be careful. Lean not on your own understanding. Because my God is a miracle worker. My God works in ways that does not make sense. When Peter uh, got out of the water or got out of the boat to walk on water, everybody would be like, that makes no sense. He's like, I know, but he said I could do it. He's called me to it. So this is another colon at the end of verse 2. And he says in verse 3, According as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Do you hear that? See, the principles that we're to live to accomplish this calling that God's given us. Number one, you exist for the mission of God. Number two, God supplies the needs for the mission. It's not that he just like... Go out there and reach the world. Good luck. It's like, hope you make it. God says, no, you don't understand. I'll be with you to the end of the world. I, I am the one that called you. I'm the one that supplies you. As we go, he has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. This is the generosity of God that he's talking about. What is the source of this? Look at the first part. According as his divine power. You think about God does the impossible because it's based on the power of God. God's the one that breathed thing into existence. He breathed man into existence. He literally breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. God is not limited on what he needs to accomplish the mission he's given to you. Not at all. Now, here, here's the thing. We have to understand this. All that we have comes from God. All that we have comes from God. Now, this is countercultural, and I'm telling you guys, we grow up and it's like, I, I, you know, this is the American way. I got a job and I work hard for what I have. You know, it's, it's, 
That, that's the mindset that we have is, I, I work hard, I work a job, I've earned my way, I've done this myself, I climbed the ladder by myself. It's all about me, me, me. To remember, if you're going to go after Christ, you better deny yourself. It's not about you. Man, we're so quick to make it about us and pride and climb that ladder and be successful in all these things. In our hum, human flesh, it's easy to do this. God was addressing this to his people, and he said in Deuteronomy 8, 17, and thou say in thine heart, he said, you might not say this out loud, my power and my might of mine had gotten me this wealth, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. God was putting them in their place. You say, you realize that the breath that you have, the energy that you have, the ability that you have, the talents that you have, the car that you have, the kids that you have, the house that you have, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. It's not you. Man, it's a different way to live life. It's, it's a matter of understanding like, well, wait a minute. This doesn't belong to me. I've got all this stuff. Everything that I have has come straight from God. We're so easy to do this with the part that says all things in life and godliness. So we're, we're, we're quick to do that with the godliness part, aren't we? Where did your salvation come from? Everybody's like, Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. So you mean literally the, the divine intervention to rescue your soul from hell and pay for all of sins, to literally drastically change your life. You trust God and you're saying that all came, oh yeah, that all came from God. Where does peace come from? Oh, God, right, really fast. You know, I'm going to point to God. All these things in godliness, but God said in that verse right here, he says, no, all things that pertain to life and godliness. As fast as you can trust God to save you from eternal damnation from hell, you can trust God to provide for your needs tomorrow. As much as God can supply the need to rescue your heart and soul, as much as God can supply the need to start a church or build your life or do whatever he wants to do, that's what he said. All that we have comes from God. Here's the next thing. All that we have belongs to God. Now again, it's like, wait, wait a minute. We, and, and this subject gets on. And you you, you want to get nervous around a bunch of Christians, start talking about giving. You know what I'm talking about? You start saying, you need, everything that you have belongs to God because we like to talk about that 10%, don't we? 10% Old Testament giving of tithing. It's like, yeah, let me point to it. We get so nervous about that conversation. God says, let me just make this clear. You make it about the 10%, God says, actually, in reality, 100% of what you have belongs to God. It's a whole different mindset. And, and, and by the way, when we get into church and pastors start talking about giving, and we're talking about the big picture of generosity, not the individual picture of just giving, because of the fact is that everything you have from your kids to your wife to your family to your talents and everything belongs to God. It's not just your money. We have to be careful when we start thinking that that's not off, you, you know, you should be talking about it. It's like going to the doctor. He's going to poke around on you, lift your arms and move your legs and everything until he finds where you say, Ouch. And he's been like, oh, there's a problem. If a pastor can start talking about money and you say, ouch, I'm going to be honest, now it's a problem. Because as long as we have the mindset that everything that I have belongs to God, then we don't get nervous because we acknowledge it wasn't ours to begin with. We're entrusted with the blessings of God. You are not the owner of your possessions. You are the overseer of your possessions. God's entrusted you to be a manager of what he has given you to accomplish his mission. You say, this doesn't make sense because in life, 
I make it about what I do and my possessions. And we almost take the salt shaker back to God and say, well, you can have a little bit of this. And God says, you don't understand. I own everything. It's all mine. You see, it leads us to the other point of this. And all that we have is for the mission of God. Notice in verse 3, he says, According to his divine power <clears throat> hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. He's called you to something. See how it's connected? He said, I'm going to give you everything that you need to accomplish this mission. Here's the cool thing. We are the go-betweens between God and his mission. I get to be the ambassador. I'm the representative. God pours out his blessings. You, you look at what God does. He graciously, abundantly, more than you could ask or think, God works in all these ways of just pouring out blessings. We serve a generous God. He gives and gives and gives to us more than we could imagine. He promised to be that way. But we sit there and like, oh, I'll take every bit of it. And God says, all right, now what are you going to do with it? God says, remember, you're an ambassador. You're to give in all that you do in your life. You're to represent me in all that you do in life. You're to plant churches and give missions and have churches and have family and supply your needs and pay your bills and take your family on vacation and rest and have all these other things. You know what happens when you're done? God gives back to you. You know why? Because God gives to you to supply the mission that he has. But you know what we are? We're like that TV show. Hoarders. Here's what I'm talking about. We are like, man, that is so gross. I could never live like that. Spiritually speaking, a lot of Christians live like that. We're all about the handout from God. And God says, you not understand that all that I've given you is to accomplish this mission. And when you hoard it for yourself or tip God or sprinkle it in your life, you don't understand how God works. He reached the world through generosity. We are to reach the world through generosity. The cool thing is, by being generous, you're giving away somebody else's money and possessions. Isn't that cool? I have no problem spending somebody else's money. Well, guess what? Every time you give to the things of God and every time you invest in the things of God, you're giving away somebody else's blessings because they never belonged to you to begin with. It all belongs to God. Everything that God needs to reach this city is represented in this room right now. The time, the talent, and the treasures that God has blessed us with to reach this world, it's just a matter of how many of us are hoarders or how many of us are our givers. Because when God came, all he did with his life was give. Give of his time, give of his talent, give of his blessing, give of his love, give of everything that he had, even giving of his life. And he said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. See, we are nothing more than the delivery people of the generosity of God. He blesses us, he fills our cups, and he does all these things for us. Well, notice this. We exist for the mission of God. God supplies everything for the mission. And the last thing is we rely on his promises to accomplish the mission. Now, let, let, let me break this down because I'm really just trying to outline this passage as we go through this. And I ask you, what are you relying on in life? Because everything that God's given us to do, it's, it's, it's actually scary. You know why we end up hoarders? God gives to us, and we sit there, and we hold on to it. And then we sit there and be like, because we're like Peter. We, God calls us to do amazing things. He calls us out, out into the deep. He calls us to do what is humanly impossible, that blows our mind. It doesn't add up. and doesn't make sense. You realize that Jesus calls all of us like Peter? You realize that whole passage was not teaching Peter how to walk on water. 
You know how we improve it? Look at the rest of the passage. How often they were not on a boat and says, guys, I'll run ashore. I've got this. I learned something from Jesus. It wasn't about walking on water. It was about following Jesus when things seemed to be impossible or crazy. It was getting out of your comfort zone. It was denying yourself to be able to accomplish great things. But in the middle of him walking on water, do you know what Peter did? He began to look at the circumstances around him, and then he began to sink. That's our, 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 the graciousness of God. God pours out to us. God blesses us with job and talents. God just is with money. God just is with stimulus checks. God blesses us with tax refunds. God, God gives us, and we have all that in our lives. And then we like, man, I'm really going to support this, or I'm going to be involved in this, and I'm going to give of my heart, and I'm going to give because I know that God has called me to do that. But then we start holding on saying, oh, wait a minute, I can't do that. Why? The waves, the ocean, the, 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 the storm around me, it's crazy. It doesn't make sense. I better hold on because I'm going to do what's right in my eyes. Remember, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. God calls us to do things that seem crazy to mankind. God will push you out of your comfort zone. Look at verse 3 again. At the end of it, it has another colon. God says, oh, I'm not done yet. Peter says, I'm not done here with what he says. But the next verse says in verse 4, he says, whereby? He says, by all these things, you talked about accomplishing the mission and living out ambassador of Jesus Christ and all these things. We live whereby, listen to this, this is so cool, whereby through what we just read are given unto us. God says literally, that's the graciousness of God. That, that is the generosity of God. God says, I'm going to give unto you what? Exceeding great and precious promises. You see, God did not just say, I'm going to give you promises. Because I'll tell you, in this world, we have promises Somebody will say, I promise I'll be there at 9.30 to help you move. And they don't show up. I promise, I promise, I promise. We break our promises because there's people in our world that let us down. God could have just used the word promise right here. And that would have been then. It's a guarantee that God cannot fail. But he didn't leave it there. He says exceeding great. You know what that word means? Exceeding, it excels past great. Whatever you think is that, man, that God does amazing things or God does beyond things, God says, man, it's exceeding great. It passes that. Whatever you ask or think, whatever you have in your mind about the things of God, God goes beyond that. But then it says the word precious. It literally means costly. It means of great value. It means to have in reputation. It literally means something you can trust in. See what he's saying through this. He says, I'm going to give you promises that you can trust in the Lord with all your heart. You can follow his promises and God will never fail you. God will not fail you because he cannot fail. He cannot fail. See, when God says a promise, now let's read some of these promises. Philippians 4.19. Listen to this. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. You know what God was saying? I'm going to make you a promise. As you do the mission of God, as you plant churches, as you go out, as you have Bible school, as you build this church, as you giving your tithes and offerings, as you do the things that God is giving you, God said this, my God will provide every need that you have. You know why God said that? Because you're accomplishing his mission. God does not fail in his mission. God cannot fail. But listen to this. Here's another promise of God. Same things. The generosity of God being lived out in our life. Give, and it shall be given unto you. 
Do you hear that? Give and it shall be given unto you. Now just have it in this mindset. I know I'm kind of illustrating like this. We go to God and God gives to us. You know why? Because we serve a generous God. God gives the needs that we have. God gives to us and then we have those needs in our life. You know what God said to me to do? What is it? You guys tell me. Shout, shout it out. What is my job with what God has given me? According to that, give and it shall be given unto you. God gives to me and give and it shall be given unto you. What is my job when I have all the blessings and time and talent in my life? My obligation and my job is to give and to give. You see what I'm doing right now? I'm being an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You know why he did? He gave his love freely. He gave his time. He gave his life. He gave his best. He gave his all. You know, and then I'm running out. Oh, that's right. I have a promise. You give and it shall be given unto you. And then I live my life out as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I'm a servant. And you know what? Along the way, I'm taking care of my family. I'm paying my bills. I go on vacation. You say, well, I thought it was all about die to self. No, that's part of it. God gave me a family to take care of and to rest and invest in. And I'm able to invest in my retirement. I'm able to give. But remember, I don't take out of the mission of God. I don't rob from God. That's what God was saying. Don't rob from me. You know why? If I decide just to keep it for myself, God would say, wait a minute, what do you have in your hands? Uh, my stuff. And God says, really? Your stuff. What are you to do with it? The mission of God. If you give it away, what happens to it? You give it back. We live out the promises of God. You know what's cool? You can't, you can't outdo the goodness of God. It comes after us. It pulls us in. It builds us up. We're talking about that, 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 that grace and that peace that comes in our life. You live that life where you go to God and you experience the generosity of God and then you begin to give it out. And I'm not just talking about like sprinkle or whatever. I'm talking about the generous life that God's given us above and beyond. And then we go back to God again. And I, I love that verse talking about how, how, how his goodness and his grace and his peace, my life has changed. Can I ask you this? And I mean this. Who are you? Who are you? Everybody in the balcony, everybody online right now, let me ask you, who are you? What name comes to mind? What are you all about? Peter was like, I, I, I'm a servant. <laughs> I'm a servant. That's what I do. Oh, and I'm an ambassador. Yeah. Everything that I do, I do. I, it's, it's all for Jesus. That's what I do. Hey, man, that sounds expensive. It sounds crazy. Yeah, but here's the cool thing. He's promised to give me everything that I'll ever need. He said he'd supply my need. He, he, he said that he would give me all these things and all my job is just to give it away. And it's so fun to give away and it's so exciting just to give it away. And then when I run out, God supplies the need because just like the children of Israel going through the wilderness, the manna never ran out. God never runs out. The divine intervention that he was talking about, verse 1, the divine power of God. Who are you? What are you doing? Because when you get on and understand that you've been called to a mission, and your life has purpose, your life will change forever. Forever. I'm going to get into the application of this next week and, and put handles to this to understand how we can carry this out. But right now, I need you just to understand that all that you have belongs to God. And all that you have is for the mission of God. And you exist for the mission of God. And there's promises that go with everything and you'll never fail when you're living out the mission of God.